Welcome to the Wagging Tails podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Noble Canine, canine behavioural specialists and dog trainers. We provide global online consultations and training, as well as physical training and behavioural rehabilitation within Singapore. Welcome to this episode of the Wagging Tails podcast. This is episode 22, which is part two of our dogs during the festive season. So, in the last podcast, we covered quite a lot. Um, We started off with talking about understanding the festive season challenges. We spoke about creating a safe and comfortable space for our dogs. We spoke about decorations and plants which are toxic for them as well as going into quite a bit of detail about food as well. Now today what we're going to be doing is continuing the conversation but we're talking about interactions with family and guests. This is now talking about guests that are staying at the home and actually living with you for a period of time as well as talking about guests who are coming over for gatherings as well. We're going to be doing quite a bit on children and dogs so that we understand exactly how we should be structuring things for children and dogs and including the rules and what we can do to make sure that our dogs are prepared at the beginning and of course so that they are able to recover afterwards because a lot of people don't think like this but even if your dog is incredibly calm and incredibly social. These events are stressful. This time of year is stressful. Think of it from your own point of view. Even if you love parties, even if you love the festive season, it's still quite stressful. Everything we've got to do, the socialisation, being on, constantly chatting, all of this is hard work. And it's no different for our dogs. The only difference is our dogs will not sort it out for themselves. We might think, oh, I've got to have a quiet day after this one because this was a really stressful time. Dogs don't do that. So we've got to guide them. We've got to make sure that we are doing whatever we can for them to give them the best experience over this time of year. And indeed, any other holidays which come about all over the world. So, without further ado, let's make a start in the interactions with family and guests. When we're hosting guests during the festive season, whether or not they are staying in your home or if they're coming over for gatherings, it's important to have clear protocols in place surrounding your dog and for introducing them as well. And this is so that we can ensure the comfort and safety of both humans and dogs. So let's start off with guests that are staying at your home. The first thing is pre-arrival communication. Now a lot of people think this is ridiculous. People are coming over, we've got a dog, so what? People know dogs. It doesn't really matter if your dog is incredibly settled and incredibly good with people. Being a responsible dog owner or dog guardian means 
that you are going out of your way to ensure the comfort and safety of them. Because even the most happy, well-adjusted dog can have a bad experience with an individual person. And it's our duty to ensure that that is not the case. So before your guests even arrive, we should be informing them about our dog's behaviour. So if your dog has any skittishness, if they're resource guard, if they're territorial, or any of the things that you yourself will know that your dog exhibits, it's important that you let your guests know and set rules that you would like them to follow. Every dog is different. So I'm just going to give you an example of my dogs. So my boys, all three of them, they're fairly social. They've got no issue with people coming into the house. They're, they're okay with that. However, I always say to people, depending on who they are and depending on how my dogs are during the day, I will say to them, as soon as you come into the house, don't get excited to see them. They'll be sitting, waiting for the word to say it's okay to come and approach. When I give that word, what I would like you to do is give them a treat straight away. Set that positive association from the get-go. Now, of course, that's for people that have never met them before. So that's just something that I do to make sure that my boys, who are all fairly good with people, are happy with people coming into the house. Now, with that said, my boy Athos is slightly more aloof. So I do say to people, when Athos is saying hello to you, don't touch him. He doesn't want to be touched. You know, he'll let you know when he wants to be petted. And by God, does he let you know. He literally just says, right, I'm time for my butt to get scratched. It's time for you to pet my head. And he will tell you that in his own time. But I do prefer people not to try and enforce themselves on him because he's had a bit of a rough beginnings to life and I just want to make sure that he's always comfortable. With the other two, not so important, especially Porthos, my youngest. He'll run up and the first thing he'll do is drop a ball at your feet and he'll say, I don't know who you are, but play with me. The point is, every dog is different, even within a multi-dog household. Setting those rules is important. Now, even with Porthos, I say to people, if you want to be spending a lot of your time in our house playing fetch with Porthos, by all means, throw the ball as soon as he drops at your feet. However, if you don't want to do that and you want to be playing fetch or not at all at your own discretion, ignore him until we've all settled down and then invite him over to play with you. Now, that's a simple thing, but it makes the difference between Porthos needing to be told to settle down or Porthos just waiting to be invited to play. And a lot of people decide, oh no, I don't mind getting harassed to play. That's okay, that's up to them. Personally, it's not what I like, but that's completely up to them. And so you can give these rules with choices. I'm a big one for giving people and dogs autonomy because that's very, very helpful. However, that autonomy comes within the boundaries that you are setting with regards to dogs. I'm not saying I do that to all people in all walks of my life. That would be crazy. But that those parameters, those boundaries that you're setting for that choice is very important if it's suitable for your dog. 
If your dog is territorial, if your dog is very anxious, if your dog has had bite histories with guests, this makes the rules a lot more strict. And not just to protect your guests, which of course is incredibly important, but it's also to make sure that you're safeguarding your dog's behaviour. Because the more often your dog feels the need to repeat the behaviours that we deem to be unacceptable, the more they think those behaviours are acceptable. So instead of setting our dogs up for failure, as always, we want to set them up for success. So those rules are in place and that makes for a very much easier introduction, which is the next stage. So if your dog does require this, it's important to have a neutral meeting area. For some dogs that get very territorial, it's a good idea to meet your guests outside of the home, go a short walk with them and then everybody enter the house at the same time. This is a very simple but effective way of ensuring your dog is more comfortable with people before they enter. Not all dogs will require this, but if you feel your dog does, I urge you to ensure that you're putting this in place for that initial introduction. For some dogs as well, you might need to keep your dog on a leash so that you can allow your guests into the home. Now, one thing that I will say, which is a paramount point here, if your dog is on leash, or indeed if they're not, your guests should not approach your dog. Your dog should approach your guests when your dog is ready. It's not fair on the dog to be tied up and have somebody approach them to go and say hello. Imagine if you were unable to move and people were walking up to you to say hello and you might have some social anxieties. That's not fun, so don't do it to our dogs. Our dogs should be approaching the guests. We can make that more attractive by having treats or toys or anything like that as suitable for your dog, of course. If your dog has food reactivity, if your dog has resource guarding issues with his toys, don't use those techniques. There's always ways to get around this. You've just got to be smart and think about it. And of course, if you're not sure what to do, reach out to somebody like us so that we can then help you as well. When guests are coming into the house, advise them to avoid direct eye contact. That is not something that dogs like with strangers or even some people that they're very familiar with. The only animals on the planet where direct eye contact is a mark of respect is humans. So don't stare directly into the dog's eyes. It's never a good idea. And a lot of the time when dogs so-called randomly react to people, that's the reason for it. Because in the dog's mind, that person has threatened them with that direct eye contact. So we've got to make sure our guests understand that. Now, a lot of advice given to people is extend a hand slowly to the dog so that they can sniff. I wholeheartedly disagree with this. We use these animals to find lost people in the mountains. We use these animals to sniff out bad guys that are running through the woods away from the police. We use these animals to sniff out COVID, cancer, drugs in airports, explosives, you name it. 
So what makes us think that we need to extend a hand so that the dog can sniff it? The dog can smell you fine from across the room. Just relax. In a lot of cases, completely ignore the dog and let the dog come to you when they are ready. Autonomy. Give the dogs that decision. Let the dogs understand that there is no threat here. You can come and say hello when you are ready, if you are ready. And if they're not ready, give them more time. There is no hard, fast rule that says your dog needs to warm up to every single person immediately as they enter the house. We don't expect that out of people, so we shouldn't expect that out of our dogs. So, when we've got guests staying in our home, this means that they're going to be in our personal space, which means they're also in our dog's personal space. It means they're going to be around during the daily routines, feeding time, walk times, times where your dog might get a little bit spooky or a little bit excited during the witching hours and stuff like that, where... They basically will get zoomies and things like that, depending on your dog's age and temperament. All of these things are important to take into consideration. So a lot of the time, it's just a good idea to ask guests to avoid interacting with the dog during feeding times. Even if your dog doesn't show resource guarding, it's only respectful to give them space anyway. I wouldn't want somebody coming up to me and trying to get all up in my face while I'm eating. And I'm sure that you would be the same. So that is effectively respecting the daily procedures, the daily protocols, and giving your dog personal space. This also gives us something that we spoke about last podcast and something that we will have to speak about again as we move forward on this episode. And that is making sure that your dog has a safe space. Somewhere where your dog can retreat to get away from the chaos of the household. For guests, or even for our own family members living in the house, depending on who they are. Like if you've got young kids, these rules should apply to them as well. When the dog retreats into that safe place, or when you've asked the dog to go into that safe place, no guests or no overexcitable people should be going into that space. Because if they do, it's no longer safe. The whole point of this is to ensure that your dog feels safe and thus behaves appropriately. So that's a very important factor for your guests to understand. Handling belongings. So first of all, I'm going to talk about the dog's belongings. Guests should not be handling the dog's belongings So if your dog has toys lying around everywhere, it's a good idea to make sure that not only do your guests know not to just be going around picking them up and tidying them up, but I would strongly suggest that you limit the location where your dog's toys are. So if you've got that safe space we spoke about, that's where your dog's toys should be. To be honest, on a side note, I'm not a big fan of dog toys just lying around the house. It lowers the value of the toys for a start and to be honest it it can kind of increase the chances of resource guarding. So what I do is I've got a toy drawer for the dogs and those toys will come out. They'll get maybe one toy each and they'll be able to play with that as and when they want and then I rotate the toys 
around every so often. So there's always one or two toys out for them. But it means that when I want to engage them in play, I can switch that toy out. And the new toy that they may not have seen for a few weeks now has infinitely more value than that which was lying around the house. It's also not a good idea to have a whole load of dog toys lying around the house when you have a three-year-old. Because obviously they're going to pick up the toys, they're going to want to play with them. And then it starts to grey the lines between whose toys what, and that's not something we want either. Because a lot of people forget that um, resource guarding is one of the most natural behaviours on the planet. And if you don't think that's true, watch toddlers play. Watch children playing. For sure, they're going to show some resource guarding. Whether it be resource guarding of a sibling, a parent, a toy, a juice box, whatever it is, it does happen. And the last thing you want is children being guarding against a dog's toy. Because that will then trigger the dog at times. In fact, most of the time it probably would. So we'll talk about that a little bit more when we get to children. But those, uh, those instructions with regards to handling belongings of the dog is very, very important. And I've seen so many situations where people have contacted us saying our dog was doing too, so well and then one of our guests picked up his ball. And you think, well, did the dog not want to play fetch? Well, unless the dog offered the guest the ball, in the dog's mind, that guest was trying to steal the ball. So, handling belongings, very important to make sure that that is respected. On the other side of things, what about the guest's belongings? If you've ever stayed over at somebody's house for a week or so or more, you'll know that you don't really unpack all of your stuff. You kind of live out of your suitcase. Um, and well, most people do. And when that happens, you tend to have stuff all over the place. The number of times we've had guests come to our place and you walk into the guest room to ask them if they want to go somewhere or whatever reason that you're going in there. And the stuff is just everywhere. And this is people that normally are very, very neat and tidy. When guests are staying at other people's houses, a lot of the time their stuff ends up all over the place just because they're not in their home environment and they're not used to that space. When this is happening, we need to make sure our guests understand either do not allow the dog into the guest room to protect their belongings or... Make sure that everything's tidied away and anything you don't want the dog to reach is out of reach. You cannot blame a dog for taking something which they deem is high value when they've not been told not to take it and you've not put any effort into making sure the dog doesn't have access. So it's up to the guests to look after their own belongings. Um, of course, we would make sure the dogs don't steal things so much and if they do maybe putting a baby gate across the guest room so that they don't tend to leave open access is a good idea. But ultimately, your guest's belongings, belongings it's your guest's responsibility. So again, that's kind of a rule or an advisement for your guests. Now going back to the rules. The rules we have spoken about were the rules when they were introducing themselves to the dogs. What we need to be understanding of now is the house rules. Does your dog have any house rules that should 
be adhered to. Such as, one of the big ones in my house is, do not feed the dogs from the table. It's one of my pet hates. I don't like, personally, I don't like dogs begging. So if you start feeding them from the table, they will start begging. And as a result, it ends up going a little bit messy. And this is something we did have to deal with with my daughter because as soon as she could move in this manner, she started to want to feed the dogs from her high chair, which led to them trying to beg. And then it meant I needed to then enforce a rule of settle while Freya was eating. And that was fine. That's not such a problem. But because I've got no issue with dogs lying at your feet or being around but I just don't want them putting their heads on your lap or pawing or anything like that because it's not nice. It's not nice for your guests. It's not nice for you if you're wanting to enjoy your meal. So rules like that are house rules. Everybody has to adhere to them. doesn't matter if they're your parents, your brothers, your sisters, or your friends that are coming over. Those rules need to be adhered to. Now, as much as I'm talking about that one, which is just because it's a bit of a pet hate for me, there's more important ones as well, such as... If your dog doesn't like people approaching them when they're on their bed, that rule needs to be adhered to 100%. The other ones are things like let sleeping dogs lie. The reason that is such a prevalent saying is because it's true. If the dog is sleeping, do not randomly go up and touch the dog. The number of cases that I have had people coming to me with saying, the dog randomly bit me. Okay, let's unpack that. What was happening? So my dog was sleeping and I went up and gave them a kiss. Well, yeah, that's not a random bite. You literally woke the dog up with a startle with your mouth on its head. Of course they're going to get startled. Doesn't matter how much the dog knows you. If you're being woken up from a deep sleep, you're not going to know what's going on. So simple rules like that. Very, very important. Make sure they are consistent. Make sure that you are adhering to them while your guests are in the house, even if you don't normally need to, because you've got to lead by example. Okay, managing anxiety. This is where being able to read your dog comes in very, very useful. If your dog is showing signs of anxiety, make sure you even give them space. Consider... Having a calming aid if your dog is getting very anxious with guests. So if they're in the house for a prolonged length of time, you may want to think about an Adaptel diffuser. You may want to think about a calming collar. You may want to think about calming supplements. And if it gets severe enough, and of course we do this only as a last resort, but if it gets severe enough, contact your vet and ask about some kind of medication just to take the edge off. A lot of people don't like that, and I'm not a massive fan of it willy-nilly, although I do believe that there is always a time and a place for managing anxiety, stress, and even depression with medication for our dogs in conjunction with behavioural shaping and training. But if your dog's getting incredibly stressed with guests and your guests are not going anywhere, it's something to consider because that is way more beneficial than having your dog really, really nervous all the time, potentially damaging the ability to have guests in the future, and even worse, potentially creating a situation where your dog's going to feel the need to bite or react, which would then alter their 
behavior in the long run as well. So manage that anxiety where you can. There's also certain exercises you can do. There's massage. I know that sounds a bit odd, but doggy massage is a real thing. Um, Jay does a great video on this and on our website. If you go to our uh, blog area, you'll be able to find Jay's video on giving doggy massage. Um, other things that are very useful is dog calming music. Now, there's a lot out there. A lot of it's just relaxing music. But there are some out there which are clinically tested. Um, one that comes to mind off the top of my head is through a dog's ear. This has actually been tested to show significant reduction in anxiety in dogs if it is played over a good duration over multiple days. So that's something to think about as well. Then there's other things like dog TV. Make sure it's actually dog TV, not just some show that they've called dog TV. But if you go to the company dog TV and use their footage, that's very effective as well. And it's got a lot more uses than just reducing anxiety, but I'll let you explore that website and see what there is on there if you feel that would be beneficial for your dog. You've also got certain training elements which are good for calming, such as bed or place work, where you're not just sending your dog to bed. You're just saying to them to go to their bed. Once that is over, that's the training portion of that over, then becomes the behavioural shaping part where your dog has decided to stay and relax on their bed through you having done that work, having done that shaping. Now, if you do that, it means that your dog's able to calm down a lot easier. So it's very, very similar to a settle cue, which uh, we use quite a lot as well. Settle cues are great for when you're in bars or cafes or in public. Your dog's getting a little bit anxious. You're able just to ask them to settle down, and that's a huge benefit as well, especially if you've got guests and your dog is somewhat reactive to movement. So instead of you having to hold on to your dog for love nor money, you're able just to say, okay, Fido, settle down. Your guests can then get up and go to the toilet and your dog has been taught to settle and as a result will not move because they're choosing not to move rather than you telling your dog to stay and they're effectively waiting to be released so that they can pursue your guest. So things like that are very, very beneficial with regards to managing anxiety and that is both for before guests arrive because having your dog trained and settle and place like that is very important anyway. But if you even start doing the slow feeds to the mat or the slow feeds to the bed to settle your dog down, teaching your dog how to settle, that process in itself helps manage anxiety in our dogs. Okay, this one is a little bit more uh, raw, but it's very, very important. Emergency protocol. There's going to be times where you might leave your guests home alone with the dog. What's the emergency protocol? What if your dog gets sick or injured? Do your guests know which vet you go to? Do they know who to call? What if you're not available? They've got to know these things. What happens if your dog does bite one of them? What's the best course of action? Because some people think the best course of action is to hit the dog. And the problem with that is if you use pain, discomfort, fear or force to respond to a dog 
becoming reactive, there is a very high chance that you're just going to increase that reactivity, both in the short term or the long term. So your guests understanding the emergency protocol is important, even if your dog has never shown an aggressive bone in their body. This is something which is incredibly important for your guests. The next one is also quite raw. Escaped dogs. Many of you may notice, if you're uh, on Facebook, Instagram, or any of these other social media websites, that over this time of year, there's an increase in dogs that have run away. Now, a lot of this has got to do with, of course, the stress that people are under, the, the more movement that people are doing, they're in and out shopping, they're in and out doing X, Y, and Z. But it also is potentially because of guests. Now, if guests don't make sure that they are being responsible, that they are closing front doors, closing gates, ensuring they know where the dog is when they're leaving or coming into the house, then this does increase the chances of a runaway. But that's just management in the moment. My massive piece of advice would be make sure your dog always has their collar on when there are guests in the house. This means that you should be having a very clear identification tag on that collar. And I would strongly advise having a tracker such as an air tag or many of the other ones out there that you're able to pinpoint where your dog is should they get lost or do a runner. This is something that I feel would save so many dogs' lives and so much heartache. So make sure we're doing that, guys. Tracking devices like air tags, collars with a very clear identification tag so that people can call you as soon as they find your dog. Making sure that your guests understand the rules. We spoke about that just. This is one of them. But again... That is just management. It's important that we've prepared our dogs for these situations. And one of the best ways of doing that is threshold training. Making sure our dogs understand not to leave the house, not to leave the garden, not to leave the area that they're not supposed to until they've been given the all clear. This is not about being the boss or being the alpha. That stuff has got no place here. What I'm talking about is ensuring the safety of your dog and ensuring your dog knows that when they leave, you making sure it's safe for them to do so does have a massive impact. And if you're able to train thresholds appropriately, this means that your dog will not feel the need to run out. And that makes everything so much easier when you've got guests, especially over the festive period. Which leads us on to guests coming over for gatherings. So this is when we've got people that are coming over for a party or dinner or Christmas Day or whatever. Um, this is slightly different, although there is a lot of crossovers from guests staying in the house and guests coming over for gatherings. The first thing is be aware of stress buildup. This is something that is so overlooked You've got the obvious ones, which are negative stress. So if your dog's been around a lot of people, or if your dog's been in busy public areas, or if they're feeling itchy, if they're feeling pain, if they're feeling discomfort, 
if they're feeling fear or anxiety, all of this goes into that metaphorical stress bucket. And that brings that level closer to the top of the bucket, leaving less capacity for stress moving forward. But it's not just negative stress. You've also got positive stress. Positive stress is things like overexcitement, incredibly fast or high energy level exercise or play. It could be anything that the dog finds over arousing. Although these are good feelings, it still builds up adrenaline. It still goes into that same metaphorical bucket. And when your dog reaches the top of that bucket, if you were able to make sure that your dog has an extremely relaxing time after that, it will still take up to 72 hours for that stress level to drop back down to the dog's basal levels of stress, that normal stress level that they are used to. So before you're having gatherings, be aware of this. Don't do anything silly like take your dog to a busy dog beach the morning of a party because then your dog's still going to have all of that pent-up sort of excitement built in there and people think to themselves, yeah, but the dog's very tired after that. They are. But that doesn't mean that the adrenaline has just dumped out completely. It's still within that dog's endocrine system and it's still in that metaphorical bucket and it's maybe trickling down because different dogs, like people, have got different sizes of these stress buckets, which means they've got different capacity to handle stress. And they've got different sizes of holes in the bucket. Some buckets have got big holes, the stress just pours out of there. Some have got tiny little pinpricks, and it's drip, drip, drip. Now that is important for us to know as well, because although I'm saying it can take up to 72 hours to come back down to a normal level of stress. That number was done in a study by Dr. Tom Mitchell in 2013 in London, where they had a cross-section of over 200 dogs after bonfire night, so a lot of fireworks, and they did uh, hormone tests in the blood. But that's those dogs. Your dog might be slightly different. If your dog's got higher levels of anxiety, that stress level is going to take longer. At the same time, if you've got an incredibly well-adjusted dog, it might take a little bit less. But I would say err on the side of caution when it comes to this. So this means that when we are going to be having gatherings, we want to be aware of this and we want to do pre-gathering training and protocol. So this can be things like working on your dog's basic commands before people turn up. These are things that you'll already have trained, but simple things like sit, stay, go to your bed, go into that room, directional training, things like that, are incredibly important to have in place, meaning that you're then able to have some level of control, I suppose, of your dog during this potential very stressful situation. Which also leads us to the calming protocol before guests start to arrive. We spoke about that previously with regards to calming aids, supplementation, music, dog TV. Everything I just spoke about there, doggy massage, the type of training you're doing. 
this can have a great impact on having your dog feeling calmer before guests arrive. And that can even be as simple as giving them a long-lasting chew in a quiet area so that they can just chill out. And then they're a little bit more settled before guests start to arrive. Now again, pre-arrival education is incredibly important for this. It can be as simple as a text message just to your guests saying, just so everyone's aware, our dog is called Fido. They have anxiety of fast movements. While he is out with you guys, please make sure that you don't randomly run across the room. Things like that. I mean, it doesn't need to be as detailed as the one you might give to the people living with you. But having some amount of knowledge of the dog before turning up to the party can be a big difference, not just for your dog, but for your guests as well. A great example of this is one of our clients who... Their dog is, their dog's doing very, very well, actually, but when they first got their dog, the dog was incredibly territorially anxious, meaning that if somebody came into the house, he was lunging, he was barking, he was snarling, he was getting himself into a terrible state. These clients decided to have a standard text message. Every time people were coming over to the house... They had a full explanation of what was the potential, what they were going to be doing to manage the situation, and what the guests can do to better manage the situation as well. And that had tremendous impact on their dog, their guests, and of course their social life. Because when you're dealing with behavioural issues such as that, it does impact your social life. And that's one of the reasons why so many people want to sort this out. It's a, it's a case of getting their life back, in a way. So, if it works for something as severe as that, it's certainly going to work with a dog for gatherings who maybe doesn't experience those kind of anxieties. So, part of that's going to be the arrival strategy and letting your guests know about that. So, what would that arrival strategy be? Well, depending on how many guests and the time staggered of people arriving, you might want to think about having your dog in a different room where you can give them their favourite toy or chew, so that as guests arrive, your dog's not part of that chaos. Because what happens when guests arrive, especially during the festive season, is a lot of excitement. Oh, we've not seen you since last year. Big hugs, kiss, 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 kiss. That kind of stuff can be very stressful for dogs because it's not something that happens all the time. And especially if your dog is slightly possessive of you or somebody in your household, People grabbing you, hugging you, kissing you, making a fuss over you can be incredibly stressful for them. So even if your dog is fairly chilled, if you've got many guests arriving over a staggered period of time, that's maybe a time to put your dog in that safe space we keep talking about. Let them chill out. When everything's a little bit more settled, if it's appropriate, by all means, let your dog come out and mingle a little while. But that arrival strategy can make all the difference. When your dog does come out for the introduction, that's when we need to think about what's appropriate for your dog again. Does your dog need to be on a house leash? Do your guests understand the rules that you've put in place, like we discussed earlier with regards to not approaching the dog? If your dog's on a house leash, this becomes even more important. When your dog approaches to say hello to a guest, making sure that you've got that leash completely loose 
because any tension on that leash can create tension within our dogs and increase the chances of a negative experience. So all of these things need to be taken into account. Now, as I said earlier with regards to my dogs, one thing I still do to this day, even though the dogs are fairly good with people coming into the house, is I ask people to give the dogs a treat when they come in. This could be as easy as like one of those smart bones, the peanut butter things that the dogs love, or even just a training treat, something as simple as that. I tend to use the longer, uh, shorter lasting chews for this, simply because it means that the person can hand it to the dog without worrying about the dog's teeth accidentally grazing their hand. Because some people do get very nervous about things like that. So this is how we control the introductions. We're using either house leash or the basic training that you're going to be working on on the run-up to these events. And, of course, ensuring that we've got a positive association to the guests being in the house. We spoke about this with people staying in the house. But, again, very important that people understand the boundaries. What are the do's? What are the don'ts for your dog in the house during this party? Now, it may be different for every dog in every different household, but take into account everything we discussed in the last episode with regards to food and toxicity and things like that, as well as what we've just spoken about in the section I was talking about people staying in the home. Now we talk about feeding rules, quiet zones, monitoring. This stuff is things that you need to adhere to, you need to make sure of. If you're having a gathering which lasts quite a long time, it means that your dog is likely going to have to be fed during that time. So that means that when your dog is being fed, clear the guests out of that area or preferably feed your dog in that safe space that we keep referring to. If you're not sure about what I'm talking about with a safe space, please go back and listen to the episode before this where I talk about it at more length. The quiet zone is the safe space. Make sure that people do not enter it. You may have told them this does not mean they're going to adhere to it. It's your responsibility to make sure that your dog is not bothered. With that said, if your dog is out mingling for a lot of the time, even if your dog is showing very little signs of stress, I still try to make the rule of, with my dogs, and it's a bit different for other dogs as well, with my dogs, they have an hour of mingling to at least 15 minutes to half an hour of relaxation in the safe space. This just means that you're managing your dog's stress levels, even if they seem to be absolutely fine. And of course, you've got to be monitoring your dog. Read your dog's body language. Is your dog feeling stressed? Is your dog doing even small things like continuously yawning or licking their lips or pacing? How are your dog's body language telling you how they're feeling? What's their tail doing? What's their body language doing? What's the stiffening of their body like? Or are they relaxed? What are the facial features doing? All of these things tell you about how your dog is feeling and that can tell you when it's appropriate to ask them to go into the safe space and when they can maybe take a little bit more mingling. If you don't do that and your dog is feeling stressed, it's not fair on your dog and it's not fair on your guests. Monitoring your dog is your responsibility and that is very important. For dogs that have got behavioural uh, issues, 
I would tend to say if you're letting them out to socialise at any point, you must have a designated dog watcher in the family. Whether that be yourself, your spouse, one of your older children, don't ask young children to do that. But somebody needs to be continuously watching so that they can then manage the movements of that dog to mitigate any potential problems. At the end of the night, when everybody is leaving, this again is similar to everybody coming, except it's all happening at once a lot of the time. Hugging, kissing, excitement, tears, goodbyes, all of this stuff is very novel for our dogs. So either they can go into their safe space away from all of the carnage, or they can go out for a walk during everybody leaving so that when they arrive back home, the house is more settled again. That's very, very impactful for dogs because then they can see, oh, everything's back to relative normalcy now. If you implement those protocols for your guests, it can have a great impact on reducing the stress on both sides of the coin, whether it be your dog or your guests. And it's important that we do this to maintain harmony during these gatherings and during the festive season because otherwise you're just adding more stress to yourself in an already stressful time of the year. So bear all of that in mind as well. Now, one thing that many people may not have noticed, and I'm sure many also did, I didn't talk about children. Now, the reason I didn't talk about children is because this deserves its own little section. Many people know that I talk a lot about children and dogs, not just because I have a young child and dogs, but also because of the number of clients that I'm involved with who have young families and they're needing their dog to be a little bit more comfortable in that situation. With guests, whether they be children coming around to visit or whether they be children staying in the house, it's important that not only have we ensured that the dog has been prepared through desensitisation or counter-conditioning of children's movements, sounds, things like that. Also making sure that they've got the training to the standard where you can have that control that we were talking about during gatherings in general. But children need to be educated as well. Now I'm fairly strict with this in our house. If a child is showing a lack of education or doesn't want to be educated with regards to the dogs, the dogs don't get to mingle with that child. I don't want my dogs feeling stressed about children being in the house and I certainly don't want any of my dogs to hurt any children due to feeling fear. So children must learn how to interact safely with dogs. So this means knowing not to approach them, avoiding eye contact, explaining the importance of things like not disturbing a dog while they're eating or sleeping. These are all things that you can teach very young children. I was invited to go to my daughter's daycare with one of my dogs to do a session on this, on how to be around dogs, how to stay safe around dogs and how to make sure the dogs feel safe around the children. And these kids were two, three years old. It was remarkable how much knowledge these kids retained and the difference between them interacting with Porthos at the beginning of the session versus the end. It was actually really magnificent to see because very rarely do you get to see such young children 
learning en masse and applying it immediately in a real-life situation. So there's no excuse for not at least giving it a good shot. Of course, every kid is different. Every child has different learning abilities, different learning styles, and sometimes you just don't want to learn at that particular time because, well, they're kids. So those rules are important, that education is important. Doing our best to make sure the kids are educated in that will make things a lot easier. The next one shouldn't need to be said, but it does. Supervise all interactions between dogs and children. Doesn't matter if it's your own dog and your own child. It doesn't matter if it's one of your best friends. Make sure that you are supervising that dog with the child. It doesn't matter how good your dog's temperament is. Children are novelty machines. They, everything they do is, is strange, loud, overexcited, or just novel to the dog. So make sure that they understand not to treat the dog that way. And make sure that the parents and, of course, your family and yourself understand to monitor and supervise continuously. Do not leave them alone, not even for a moment. Establishing boundaries. The clear rules for playtime are similar but slightly different to that of your normal guests. Not that children aren't normal, but of your adult guests. Things such as don't pull the dog's ears, tails, fur. Don't climb on top of the dog. Don't roughhouse with the dog. Now, even if your dog is used to roughhousing with you during play, don't teach them that it's okay to roughhouse with children. So, to do that, the kids can't do it either. These boundaries are very, very important, and that even goes back to what we were saying earlier about people not approaching the dog while they're on their bed or in their safe space. For kids, this is even more important because they're more likely to break those rules. And that, again, goes back to supervision. Having children respect the dog's space, respect their boundaries, respect the dog in general, has a huge impact on your dog feeling comfortable and safe during these gatherings or during busier seasons of the year. So that was more about what kids need to do. We spoke about what dogs need to do. What about both of them? Well, if a dog and a child haven't met before, we've got to introduce them properly. You could do going out for a walk, you could do play, you could do parallel play. There's many, many different ways of introducing children to a dog. But you've got to know your own dog. If you don't think your dog is suitable for children at all, then either don't have children coming into your house for gatherings or make sure that your dog is somewhere safe while this is happening. Do not allow the dog to approach the child without the child knowing and understanding what's happening. The reason I say don't have people approach the dog is simply because we can't explain to the dog why that's happening. If you've got a very young child, that's somewhat similar. So we've got to be aware that not only do we need to have rules for the children, but the dogs need to adhere to them as well. And we do that by supervision and making sure we're advising them on what to do. 
creating positive associations. This means gentle play, offering treats. You know, these sort of things are super simple but have a big impact, especially for children who can sometimes be a little bit nervous around dogs. So if you can have your dog be gentle and interact with them gently, it makes a big difference for the rest of the season and your dog's life and your uh, friend's or family member's life who does get nervous. Quiet time. We already spoke about quiet time for the dogs. If the dogs have been out in the public and socialising for a long period of time, we then allow them time in their safe space. Do the same for kids. If you're having a gathering, have a room or an area where the kids can go which is a little bit quieter. Kids get very, very stimulated by parties and gatherings and animals and all of that stuff. So it's important that when we're having a gathering, we've given the parents and, of course, the children the option of having that chill-out time. Most parents will take that because they understand how much easier it is to have their child not screaming at the top of their lungs because they've been given that opportunity to rest. Then we move on to escape plans. Make sure that your dog and the children have a clear exit from the situation that they're having, whether that be friendly social interaction or something a little bit more sinister. It's important that we understand that the dog may feel the need to escape from the children. So you've got the safe space, but you've also got to be aware of the people in the room. If there's a dog and child in the corner of the room and there's just people everywhere, the dog has no escape route. Should that dog go into a fear response, they cannot hide because they're cornered. They cannot run because there's so many people around. And that just leaves fight, which doesn't mean that the dog's going to attack anyone necessarily, but it does mean that they might go into intimidation. So they might end up barking, growling, snarling, lunging, and that's very scary for a lot of children. So the best way of doing this is making sure that if either the child or the dog starts to feel overwhelmed, you've got an easy out to make sure that they are both safe and comfortable. And again, we touched on this one with regards to our guests that are staying in our house, but for kids it's very, very important as well, because we're not just talking about the dogs. Keep a first kit aid sorry. Keep a first aid kit handy. Make sure that things like bites, scratches, bumps, you've got all of the stuff that you need to give first aid for that. And on top of that, making sure that you've got the contact information for the nearest emergency vet and paediatrician. And by following those guidelines, this is how we create a festive season which is enjoyable and safe for both dogs, guests, our children or guest childrens. It's all about preparation, understanding and making sure that we're doing what we can to make sure that the needs of both dogs and humans are constantly taken care of. Now it's not as exhausting as it might actually sound as I'm running through this. It's just about being continuously vigilant to prevent any incidents from occurring and the most appropriate and effective way of doing that is to make sure that everybody feels safe and anxiety free 
And that is the key to doing this correctly. Now guys, there's a few more things that I was wanting to talk about, but looking at how long it's taken me to get through just the gatherings, what I'm going to do is have a part three of this topic, because it is quite a large topic during the festive seasons of all holidays and our dogs. So next time, what I will be talking about is behavioural challenges and the solutions that we can use for our dogs. I'm going to talk about excitement, overstimulation, training tips for better behaviour. I'm going to talk about the immediate management strategies and the pre-strategies that we should use for coping with things such as loud music, parties, fireworks, and all the other things that come with the festive season, whether that be Christmas, New Year, whatever. We're also going to be touching on training and behavioural shaping so that you can be more prepared for next year or for the next festive holiday. And with that, we'll also talk about reflecting on this year's experiences, what you can look at and how you can improve that for next time. Advanced training plans if you want to make it even easier for yourself and making sure that you've created your own personalised festive season blueprint for you and your dog. So I hope this has been useful for many of you out there. I do hope that you'll listen to the next episode as well. Um, which will be coming out probably between Christmas and New Year, if I'm honest. Now, I know that that means that part three is coming after Christmas, but remember, this is not just about making sure that things are good this year. It's for making sure that we're preparing for next year. It's making sure that we are in the know of how we should be dealing with these things. And I think it will work out quite well as... The next episode is going to be more about dealing with things such as loud noises and things like that, which is more New Year based, and about reflecting and preparing for next year. And with that said, guys, do make sure that you follow us on Facebook and on Instagram. Please feel free to join us every Wednesday evening, that's 8pm Singapore time, as we have a live Ask Me Anything session. You can ask any of the questions that you want about your dog, their behaviour, your training, and we will do our best to answer that. And you can also take part in these Ask Me Anything sessions as topics. So it's almost like a podcast, but live, where we will pick a topic or you guys can advise us on what topic you want us to talk about. And from that... You can have interactive back and forward about said topic. I hope you all have a good festive season. Happy holidays. And do not hesitate to reach out to us if you need.